0: Check out the website simplepassacashflow.com for podcasts, videos, articles, and free e-courses. If you guys have any specific questions, feel free to reach out to the team via email and we'll get you pointed in the right direction, whether it be an educational course or information about syndication deals. If you haven't read my book, The Journey to Simple Passive Cashflow, click the link below to get a free copy. Thanks to John and the Wealth and Freedom Nexus podcast. Our team is here to help you take the first step. Or if you're a seasoned investor, then we're here to expand your reach into alternative investing.
1: Are you tired of trying to keep ahead in the rat race, only to have so much of your hard-earned money going to the tax collector? Equity doesn't pay the bills. Retirement savings don't pay you now, and there are only 24 hours in a day to work. The only solution is passive income that pays you 24-7 now, not 40 years from now. From vetted investment opportunities to tax-saving strategies, let John guide you through all the confusion and take control of your financial life in pursuit of financial freedom. So sit back, relax, and welcome to the Wealth and Freedom Nexus.
2: You know, for the most passive returns in real estate investing, I like to put my money with Freedom Family Investments, a team I personally trust because they pay me steady streams of cash flow, hassle free, all while doing the things I love. Returns are better and more reliable than the stock market, up to 12%. I love that tax benefits offset capital gains or your W 2 income. For a little insider pro tip, Knowing who to trust is key to success in investing. Freedom Family Investments has a perfect track record of paying their investors right on time. To learn more, text FAMILY to 66866. If you want to invest on autopilot with people I personally trust and with a team who cares about you reaching your financial goals, go ahead and text FAMILY to 66866. Hey there, welcome back to the Wealth and Freedom Nexus podcast. I'm your host, as always, John Rickard, an investor, educator, and realtor. Now, for those are just joining, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. And I'll start off with just highlighting a recent episode I did last month. This was episode, let me just double check, episode 107, where I shared what turned out to be one of my best investments, particularly with real estate, how that went, how it came about, and really there was a lot of luck involved with it. But nevertheless, it really turned out good made a good chunk of change and is still a very profitable property that we have to this day. <clears throat> now, I've noticed with a lot of gurus and creators, internet personalities, Instagram influencers, whatever you want to call it, I think they are a little bit too, I don't know if cocky is the right word, but they basically just show all showcase all their wins. They never showcase their losses. Any real estate investor, any investor, any business owner, they're going to have some horror stories. And if they're honest with you, they should be able to just open up a About those just as freely as their wins and their big, you know, their big wins are the best investments. So here I'm going to just do a, you know, this is a solo episode, just kind of really no notes, just going to share with you what my worst investment was and more importantly, what I learned from it. So if there's, you know, a silver lining in this, if I can share my lessons with others out there that maybe prevents them from going down the rabbit hole that I went, well, You know, learn from my mistakes and hopefully you don't make the same mistakes as well. So I'll just look at that for a silver lining. So we're going to go back to early 2021, just kind of give a high level overview. I was looking for another property, had some capital to deploy. A lot of the turnkey providers was getting harder and harder to meet the 1% rule. At the same token, I kind of wanted to look at, you know, what's a market that's maybe close by, that's maybe a little under the radar, so to speak that might have some more benef- long-term benefits for it. So long story short, I came across the Quad Cities or Davenport, Iowa. Now I looked into this and it's like, all right, let's go check it out. In fact, there was a company that I networked with. There was a uh, couple property management companies that I touched base with. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to make a trip, trip out there. And in fact, I actually coincided this with a trip when I checked out Kansas City, Missouri, another market. So that was, let me just double check here. I Probably should have had some notes to go off of, but nonetheless, I did not. Yeah, I tied this into, oh, sorry, (laughs) duh, this was last week. My interview with Todd of Turnkey Property Group, that was episode 112 of Kansas City. So I actually tied in my visit to Des Moines, which was back with Chad Daniel, Des Moines, Iowa, and tied this in with a visit to Davenport and tied this in with a visit to Kansas City, Missouri. kind of wanted to check out all three of these turnkey markets. So I liked it. I liked Davenport. I really did. I viewed the area, talked to some property management managers, met one company, really enjoyed them. I really enjoyed meeting with them, saw their quality of work. They did a lot of duplexes, fourplexes, multi-unit properties. They were really stringent on looking at floodplains, stuff like that. And then they introduced me to their property management company. They used to do property management in-house. However, they decided to branch off. I don't Remember the whole relationship? There was like some common friends or whatnot in there. Um. So anyways, this... Uh, co- well, you can actually just Google them. This was enhanced property management. This is actually a very key to where this investment really started, Nosedive South. So this was a company that did property management. And okay, it's separate from the turnkey providers or the companies that actually put together the properties, but it's like, all right, I'm willing to take a look, talk to some other investors. They were actually pretty big. They managed about three to 400 properties, I believe. So it's like, all right, so at least we got a good company here that seems to be doing a good job, seems to have a good reputation for property management. So, you know, this is kind of how I always look at it from a top down. Look at the market. Okay, Davenport seems to be a little sleepy. It appeared that there were some migration trends coming from the Illinois border to Iowa for lower property taxes, lower income taxes, less regulation, etc. And hence, like the name Quad Cities, they're right on the border. Uh, you basically have uh, Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, you have, you know, I actually... So I got to look this up myself. So you got Rock Island, Illinois. You have Davenport, Iowa, which obviously is on the Iowa side of the border. And... This is what I get for not really having any notes here on it. Okay. So the Quad Cities, they're a region of cities in the U.S. states of Iowa and Illinois, Davenport and Bettendorf in Iowa. And then on the Illinois side of the border, you have Rock Island and Moline. Sometimes people call or consider East Moline in the Northwestern Illinois area. So that's basically the Quad Cities area. All right. So I kind of looked at it, you know, it was a little bit sleepy, wasn't, you know, booming like an Austin, Texas, wasn't booming like a Memphis, Tennessee or anything like that. Did some on-site visits, had a number of people there that's, you know, a team, if you will, that, okay, there seems to be a good provider. Really liked their work that they did on the duplexes and fourplexes. Pretty much all of them I saw were nice brick interiors, always kind of a nice little add-on for properties. So I kind of like this. And then as luck would have it, there was a friend of mine. He's been on this podcast and we were just talking. He was looking to down, downsize his portfolio and wanted to scale up into bigger projects. So this was an off-market deal. The property was a duplex. It was fully tenanted. I had been under property management for quite a few years, interviewed the property manager. And I kind of looked at it. It's like, well, all right, I'm not really sold on this property management company, don't have like a warm and fuzzy feeling, but nevertheless, they seem to be doing a good job. It's fully tenanted. The numbers on paper make sense. It hits the 1% rule. I can make this work. It'd be a nice addition to my portfolio. And if the property management does not work out, well, I have a plan B to go into. That's always what I look at. It's like every time I'm in a market, yes, I like to have a plan A for a property management company, but what is a plan B? What's another one that I can move on to? So with that, that's kind of where things started and closed on this property late 2021. And soon after, that's where everything kind of spiraled out of control. So again, I'll share some of my lessons. Hopefully you can learn from my mistakes, but we'll get back into what all happened after that, after a word from one of our sponsors.
0: Check out the website, simplepassivecashflow.com for podcasts, videos, articles, and free e-courses. If you guys have any specific questions, feel free to reach out to the team via email and we'll get you pointed in the right direction, whether it be an educational course or information about syndication deals. If you haven't read my book, The Journey to Simple Passive Cashflow, click the link below to get a free copy. Thanks to John and the Wealth and Freedom Nexus podcast. Our team is here to help you take the first step, or if you're a seasoned investor, then we're here to expand your reach into alternative investing.
2: My worst investment that I made in real estate, I'm hoping a number of you out there can learn from my lessons. It's been a, well, it's been a rough lesson for me and humbling to say the least. And we'll just see how things play out. So as I left off, we had closed on this duplex in 2021. Had it under property management, was fully tenanted and had had a plan B involved. It's like, hey, if things don't work out well, can switch over. So right out the gate, there was a few issues. So the upper unit was a month to month. So the rent was actually a little bit higher than the market average. So again, I kind of let my, you know, like I said, it made sense on paper, but really the upper unit was about six, I think about 750 a month, but it was month to month rental. And the lower unit was 650. So combined was about $1,400 a month rent. So this on paper made the 1% rule. Now, what was interesting is, so the one that was going month to month ended up, I don't know what all happen, but got some financial assistance and then got slowly paid up. And then the one downstairs, which is a long-term rental, they had stopped paying rent for a while. And the property management company is like, yep, I'm trying to get the collecting or see if we can get them out with the eviction process. And it was kind of interesting. It's like, well, gosh, you know, they've been paying rent for so long and now all of a sudden they aren't going, you know, again, this is just kind of speculation and second, third-hand stories, looking on the websites, looking on some blogs, bigger pockets. It looks like this property management company wasn't doing the best job. And a lot of people just stopped paying rent. It's like, Hey, I need you to fix this, or I need you to do that uh, before I pay you rent. And unfortunately, the owners get stuck with this because it's like, Hey, I still have bills to pay. If they're not paying the property management company, the property management company can't pay the owners. And that can be an issue. So, and then in conjunction, I just was not happy with this company. Could never got copies of the leases, had asked for, you know, reports, property and loss statements, <clears throat> or excuse me, profit and loss statements. Do we have snow removal? Or do we need to get that done? Are there any outstanding issues? What are the, what's the status on the tenants? Have they given an ETA? Like I just had so many unanswered questions, left voicemails, emailed, and talked to the managing or operations manager. And then he like just blew out back at me and just said, Hey, how dare you uh, blast out on me? And how dare you demand all this to me? And I can't remember uh, somewhere I got the email, but he was just turning into an absolute asshole. It's like, look, I am the owner of this property. I have asked numerous times for all this documentation and everything, and you just haven't given it. So long story short, we had closed on the property end of October, 2021. And about January, it's like, you know what? I'm not getting a good feeling with this. They did finally get both tenants out. Okay, now we got a vacant property, so it's not even up to tenancy standards. All right, back to plan B. Like I said, I had a plan B, another property management company in the wings. So I decided, all right, I'm not too happy. It's been two months. I need to go with my plan B for a property management company. So this is around February. It's like, all right, the tenants are out. It is a vacant property. Okay. So the mortgage, the insurance, the taxes, everything is coming out of my pocket. There's no income coming from this, but can start Fresh, We're getting into spring and hopefully we can get this going. So with any move out, there was some damage to the property, had gotten some quotes and it's like, John, we got some, you know, bills that need to be paid, you know, the water, the natural gas, whatnot. And then with some damages, came to about $5,500. So I have shifted over to this new company. This was Enhanced, which had filed for bankruptcy. So and actually just pulled out this. So on March 8th, so this is about four months after I acquired the property, sent about $2,000. This was for some unpaid bills, pay for the utilities that were now obviously in my name since the tenants weren't paying for them. And then the $3,500 on the 14th of March, that was to go for the quotes for replacing some window panels pains new carpet. There was an interior door damage, basically just get them turned. So right off the gate, okay, that's another $5,500 on top of the expenses coming month in a month out. But it's like, all right, we're getting in the spring, got a new property management company. They're going to take care of everything. Seem to have a good reputation. They work with about three, 400 investors. Hopefully we can get this tenanted maybe by May, we'll be back to rock and rolling. So I sent that money on the 14th of March. On the 15th, then got an email from the owner. Let's see if I can pull it up. It has come to my recent attention that my company trust accounts have been compromised. I have chosen to notify you immediately in order to allow you the opportunity to terminate management services, if you so choose. Please let me know the name of the management company you would like to receive your property documents and keys as soon as possible. Later on, I contacted the Iowa Real Estate Commission on Friday, March 11th, to notify them of this issue. I've been in close communication with the Iowa State Auditor. To get this matter investigated and resolved as soon as possible, all financial movement has come to a halt until the Real Estate Commission is available to investigate this case on April 13th, 2022. So long story short, uh, you know, I could probably talk for three hours on this podcast going over every single thing that has went, went wrong with this. But as I always said, property management, they can make or break your best investment. So here I was, just had wired the money and now I have nothing to show for it. The property management company starting the bankruptcy proceeding files. This is March. And now I'm like, okay, my plan A for a management company went south. My plan B for a management company went south. Now, what do I do? So then I reached out. Like I said, I met up with a few people and they referred me to another property management company and they were, shall we say, kind of tasked with picking up the pieces. I think they picked up a good 20 or 30 um, properties from this enhanced bankruptcy to hopefully get them you know, back on their feet. So, like I said, I had sent all this money and now the trust funds have been compromised. I filed a you know, claim for the bankruptcy courts. We'll see if I get anything or how much of that $5,500 in this particular instance. I'm not holding my breath. But then with property management number three, and this is now April of 2022, it's like, okay, and... I was at four or five months, I'm on my third property management company. So now we're trying to pick up the pieces. Now we're trying to see what's all going on. Then we, then we found out there was an issue, a lot of finger pointing, never could get a straight answer. But in the winter, the heat was shut off. Again, a lot of finger pointing if it was the tenants, if it was the company, if it was a management company, just a lot of things going on but caused some damage to the pipes and then they turned the pipes back on in spring obviously had some leaks thankfully most of it was contained to the basement which is unfinished but need to get new piping and need to get all that fixed and so that was another two, $3,000 for doing all of that. And then, like I said, okay, we still need to turn these units. So now that the trust funds have been compromised by the second property management company, now the third property management company, that's like, well, we need to turn the units. So I had to wire them the, it was like $4,200 for the same quote for carpet, door, paint, fixings, all that stuff for both units again. So right out the gate for turns, you know, that's another $10,000, $2,000 for fixing the pipes. That was an issue. And oh, by the way, month after month, I'm paying the mortgage. I'm paying the insurance. I'm paying the taxes because there's no cash flow coming in from this. So we get that, have these other issues. There were some issues with the neighbor. There was a kid that was like throwing rocks at neighboring windows. That was relatively minor, but that was like another $80 window pane that had to be replaced on my dime. So then the property management company I was working with, thankfully done a pretty good job, contacted the city, contacted the owner of the neighboring property. It's like, Hey, you got to do something with this uh, tenant. And they got evicted. So then it was, so I mentioned all these issues, all these hassles. Uh, We finally had the lower unit rented. This was about November of 2022. So it's like, okay, one unit down, one to go and fast forward may of 2023 got the second one so we're actually fully back to tenancy. however the rent income is lower than what i initially projected you know again one was on a month to month and right wrong or indifferent the rents just kind of got compressed there was a lot of um, options available for tenants so got to the point of just take what i can get so finally closed on this end of October of 2021. And by May of 2023, finally got the property fully tenanted. So everyone talks about, you know, plan for five to 10% vacancy per year, you know, basically had very little occupancy for over a year. So that was definitely a big strain on the budget, went through a lot of reserves, went through a lot of credit lines just to try to stabilize this. And you know it just gets to the point that all right sometimes it's better just to cut your losses I decided to backtrack and pull from the Davenport market um I don't think there's a lot of people out there that can share stories of going through so many property management companies and so many issues um with that and so right now my duplex on Davenport is on the market I'm hoping by the time this episode airs maybe it's sold and it's like I said, it's been a learning experience. It has been my worst investment. And if I could go back to 2021, I would never want to this property. However, I will just end this on a silver lining for a couple of things that I have learned. And if you're listening to this, hopefully you can just take notes, uh, learn from my mistakes. In the beginning, trust, but verify, I should have pushed for getting copies of the leases, profit and loss statements, operational expenses, everything before I signed on it. I just had a little bit too much trust. And to be fair, the previous owner, he thought everything was fine too. In fact, there was one situation we found there was a uh, little collections that, I'm trying to remember here. For investors seeking DSCR financing, check out timothyhero.com. The guy has closed over 150 DSCR loans in the last two years and has been appearing on podcasts and written about by journalists. He's well-connected with some of the best lenders in the game and can get you the financing for your rental properties. So the property management company pay or uh, collected money for like the city, water, sewer, et cetera, from the tenants. And then they're supposed to pay the city. Well, in this case, they didn't and put a small lien on the property. So when property taxes came up in September, 2022, I was wondering like, well, why are the taxes quite a bit higher than last year? And then sure enough, found out, okay, they collected money. They didn't pay it. Neither one of us had any luck with collecting that. And, you know, when you're talking a few hundred bucks, it just doesn't really make sense to Go to small claims courts, whatnot. So there was that issue. In conjunction, I would give a little word of advice contact all utilities and stakeholders and see if there's any outstanding payments before you close on a property. And I say that because if you do close on a property, you know, you get title insurance, you have a title search, are there any liens on the property? There is a narrow window where say if a bill isn't paid, depending on the jurisdiction, depending on the area, the company in question, if it's usually between, if it's under 90 days, usually it isn't considered delinquent. So if it's 30 to 90 days past due, once it hits 90 or 120 days, then it becomes delinquent. Then you can put a lien on the property. Depending on that time frame and depending on when the title company is doing the search, that still may not show up. And in this case, uh, I had one of those that didn't, that the property management company did not pay what they were supposed to pay, but it did not show up on the title search. So... Another thing, like I said, just trust and verify all the numbers. With that, I'm rem- reminded of a quote by Matt Terrio, who is on this podcast as well. He always said it's better to let a good deal go than be stuck with a bad one. And boy, has that come, you know, to fruition. I know, I know, I'll get past this. I know this will be the learning experience of a lifetime, but it definitely sucks. I know. I don't even want to sit down and calculate everything I'm out. I'll let my accountant handle that, but I just know I'm going to get more pissed off if I total up all the money we've lost out on since I got this. But I know it's, I would say, easily $30,000, if not more. So with that, going into number three thing that I learned, don't let FOMO or fear of missing out win. I will admit, I let my emotions get in the way. It's like I was hungry for another property. I was hungry for something that met the 1% rule. And again, this property did. On paper, it looked very good. I was like, all right, I'm not going to have this dead equity. I'm not going to have this dead capital. I'm going to be putting it into a cash flowing assets and then I'm going to put my money to work. And unfortunately, I let FOMO or my emotions win over. I should have been a little bit more calculated. I should have gone, you know, looked at the numbers. It's like, hey, if I can't even get copies of the leases or can't get the full story on this, maybe I should be passing on this property. So again, don't let FOMO win. Keep your emotions in check. It's a lot easier said than done. Trust me, I can attest to that. But yeah, make sure you're doing as much due diligence and thoughtfulness on this and you know, I'll even kind of say to myself, I messed up on this, that I had so many good successes in investing and in real estate. You know, once you have so many behind you and you've done so well, sometimes you get a little cocky, you need a humbling experience and you just you just think, oh, I can walk on water. There's nothing that can go wrong. And this is how it's going to go. Which leads me to my last point. And I've said this before, I've mentioned this on my podcast, but I did not listen to my own advice. There was kind of a reason for this. So this was kind of my thinking. Is always, always, always with an investment, it needs to cash flow first from day one and cash flow on conservative estimates. So again, I was running it on numbers that realistically, I should have taken a step back. It's like, okay, if this wasn't on a month-to-month rental, this unit would be $100 less per month. Let's take the numbers on that. Okay. Let's factor in a little bit more for vacancy. And my initial plan was that this would be more of an equity play, build up equity, would have no cash flow, and then do a cash out refinance in three to five years. Again, I violated my rule. It did not cash flow from day one, and this is if it was 100% occupied. And I shouldn't say it wouldn't cash flow at all. It was very marginal. It would just be kind of in savings but with that did not have a good margin of safety and definitely didn't have planned out for over a year in vacancies so trust but verify get copies of everything contact all utility companies stakeholders if you're looking to buy a property make sure if there's any unpaid bills that just have not been turned over to collections yet that need to be accounted for do not let fomo a fear of missing out win and always, always have the investment cash flow first from day one. I broke my rule with that and I paid the price for that. So that is my story. Like I said, I could probably talk about this for two hours going over absolutely everything that went south on this investment, but definitely wanted to hit the highlights, the most. In hindsight, kind of humorous, but going through three property management companies and just about as many months has definitely been the kick to the groin for this. So hopefully by the time this drops, this episode drops, I will have sold it, cover, you know, cut my losses and move about my day. So, with that, that is my story for my worst investment ever. I hope you learned something from this. Like I said, maybe a silver lining. Someone can learn from my mistakes and not make the same mistakes I did. So, with that, I will close out today's episode of my worst. Investment. Thanks again for listening.
1: Thank you for listening. Be sure to share, rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more updates, check out www.wealthandfreedomnexus.com. Remember, nothing on this show should be considered tax, legal, investment, or professional advice. This show is produced solely for educational and informational purposes. Please consult an appropriate and licensed tax, legal, real estate, or business professional for specific advice for your situation. For distribution or publication rights or media interviews, please contact the host.